you're new here, normally we would have another song, but <clears throat> with the time that we have had this week with a lot of illness going through our church this morning, I thought that we would take an extended time of prayer before the sermon, the message this morning to pray for our congregation and pray for our town. It seems like there's just a lot of illness going around, and I just wanted to lift that up to the Lord this morning. So if you'd bow with me in prayer before we get started in the word this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, we just thank you, God, for uh, today. We thank you for being able to come here with full voices, Lord, to be able to worship your holy name in song. Lord God Almighty, if it wasn't for you, we would have nothing because everything that we have is from you. We, we bring nothing but sin to the party, Lord, and yet you sent your son for us to be able to be saved, Lord, to uh, be in your presence, to even be here, to even want to be here is because you drew us here and you showed us your greatness. Father, as we come before you this morning in prayer for our congregation, Lord, that has been dealing with a lot of illness this week, we think of Don and Grace, our worship leaders, Lord, and our dear friends who came down ill this morning, Lord, and we think of the McDaniel family that has been dealing with COVID and other things going on in their family, Lord. And we lift up the Kemners to you, Lord, and we lift up Ginger. And Lord, we also want to lift up Alex to you, Alex Gomez, who's been dealing with his own issues over the past couple months. Lord, we love these folks dearly, and we know that you love them too. And Father, I pray for them, and I pray for everyone that is here this morning, Lord, that you would protect them and keep them from illness. Lord, as I am in contact with other pastors in the area, I know that illness has been running rampant through La Junta this past week or month or so. There's just been a lot of different things that are going on, as you know, Lord, better than anyone. And I just pray, God, that you, Father, would protect our town, protect the people in the churches, Lord, our brothers and sisters from all over this town, Lord, as well as our congregation from more illness. Lord, I pray that your mercy and grace would shine down upon them and your glory would be shown through their healing and the stories that they have of how you made them miraculously better. Lord God Almighty, we just thank you so much for who you are, for being able to come now to you in the study of your word, Lord, and the story of Stephen in the book of Acts. Lord, I am so grateful to be able to come and share this message with you, Lord, and, and with the folks that are here. Thank you, God, for helping my heart to get ready for this morning. And Lord, I just pray that as we come before you today in the study of your word, Lord, that you would be glorified in everything that we say and do this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as we come before you, we have been, we've been doing our Advent series over the last little while. And so we've been out of the book of Acts. If you're new, we are studying the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible... If you would turn with me to Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, and we're going to be in verses 8 through 15 today. Um, we're going to be looking at an introduction to the study of Stephen, and many of you may be familiar with the study of Stephen, but today we're going to look at him and how he relates to us. But one of the things that, you know, that, that come to mind as we use this as sort of a, a reintroduction as to where we've been in the book of Acts. As, as we think of history, 
And I was thinking about this this week, and actually Sherry, my wife, um, helped me to kind of think through this. And so um, you can thank her for this introduction. But history is full of times that, that we look to that, that can radically change us in how we think of things. You know, one of the things that we think about is 9-11 and how that really changed our thinking. We can think, you know, nothing has ever been the same since 9-11. I remember I used to travel a lot. And once 9-11 happened, everything at the airports was completely different. We think of other things like Pearl Harbor, obviously, was one that, that changed the course of our history and got us into a war that we didn't as a nation necessarily want to get into. But we got into that. And then, of course, throughout World War II, the Holocaust changed the course of history. The Great Depression, you know, those of us who are old enough to remember the Great Depression, fortunately, I'm not quite old enough to remember the Great Depression, but uh, Roe versus Wade, the civil rights movements of the 60s, Vietnam. We can even go way back in history, and we can think back to the time of the bubonic plague or what was known as the Black Death that nearly wiped out Europe. And Something went wrong. Please try again. Yep, yeah, sorry, Siri. Goodbye, Siri. Maybe. Okay. I'm not sure why Siri is on my laptop, but it is, and so we're going to get rid of that. Anyway, between 1347 and 1351, 25 million people died. 25 million people died because of a, of a, a flea from a black rat that bit people and it caused 25 million people to die. Of course, COVID changed history. We know that. Uh, we're dealing with COVID with some of our folks missing even today. We also think of the end of slavery in Europe and in the U.S. in the 1800s. But, and we could go on and on, but we're not going to be here all day going throughout all of history. But you can see that there are things that we can point to that change things, change things, but nothing changed the course of history more than the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus came, he turned the world on its head. Jesus came and he taught us about God's love. A love that is radically different than any teaching on love that has ever been taught before. He came and told us that God's kingdom had come and that he is the fulfillment of every prophecy in the Bible. He is the Messiah. Jesus came and taught that he is the fulfillment of God's law. The law was not about things that we have to do to earn our salvation, but it was about our hearts instead, that our hearts are wicked and far from God, that we're sinners, that we're focused on ourselves and our wants and needs rather than the needs of others. He pointed this out to us. But then the famous verse of John 3.16 really gets to the heart of God's love for people. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. A love that transcended our sin against God to where he sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross and shed his blood so that you and I might have eternal life. Eternal life that is a gift of God's grace. Nothing that we earn, but what God gives us. Jesus said that he was going to tear down the temple, but he was going to raise it up in three days. 
The problem was is that people thought that they were gonna, he was going to tear down the Jewish temple when Jesus was actually talking about that his body, his temple was going to die, but it was going to be raised in three days. And so they arrested Jesus and they sentenced him to death. An innocent man who died on the cross and then he was buried into a sealed tomb. And the leaders thought that they had settled the problem of Jesus. The Jesus problem had been settled. He is now dead. The problem was they didn't know that the tomb wouldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. And three days later, the stone was moved and he walked out of the tomb alive. Glory to God. And now here we are in the book of Acts. And in the very beginning of the book of Acts, we read of Jesus' ascension into heaven as we await now his second coming and his return as we talked about during our Advent series. And now the promise of a Holy Spirit has come. The church was established and it was growing at a rapid rate. The apostles were performing great signs and wonders. But the church has been mainly contained in Jerusalem. It hasn't been unleashed into the world yet. But there was much work for the apostles to do. In fact, it became too much for them to do, and they needed help. And so they established the office of deacon to help them perform the day-to-day duties of serving the people and distributing food to the poor. And just as we left off in our series a month and a half ago, we were introduced to the deacons. We were introduced to Stephen, who is one of the chosen in Acts 6-5. Describes Stephen this way, that he was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. A faith in the Holy Spirit. And the account of Stephen in Acts 6, chapters 6 through 8, is really too much for just one message. So today I want us to focus on Stephen and who he is and how he relates to us. And so, again, our message this morning will be found on Acts 6, chapter 6, verses 8 through 15. Let's read that together as soon as I get there. Acts 6, starting in verse 8 and ending in verse 15. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it were, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and, dis- and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him from before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, again, we thank you for your word and the power of it. We thank you for the story of Stephen, Lord. I pray, Father, that you will help us to understand who he is and how he relates to us and how we're to uh, follow Stephen's example, Lord, in the world. 
Father God, we just thank you for this, this time, and we thank you for this message. And I just pray, God, that you would speak through me, that it would be your Holy Spirit who speaks. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first point that we have today of, of two or three points, depending on how this goes, is the radical change of Stephen's life for Jesus. And we find that in the first verse in Acts 6, 8, where it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. You see, Stephen is full of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He is full of power. There is a radical change in Stephen's life, and he is fulfilling Jesus' promise in Acts 1.8. If you remember that, and this is what Acts 1.8 says, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now we know in the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit has come. And now Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit. He has a power that only the Holy Spirit could come. And what's interesting to note is that Stephen is the first recorded person outside of the apostles themselves who are performing signs and wonders. But this power that he had, it transcended physical strength. This is not a description of a man with the strength of Samson, but a man with the power provided by the Holy Spirit. And he is performing signs and wonders. Now, we don't know exactly what all of these signs and wonders are that he is performing, but we can take a stab at it and we can say that he is probably healing the sick you know, who knows, maybe he's raising the dead. We don't know exactly what it is that he is doing. But what he is doing, he is doing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, one other thing is we don't know a lot about Stephen. Really, we don't. We don't know how old he is, how tall he is. We don't know what he really looked like, except that the Bible describes him as having the face of an angel. But what we do know about Stephen is very important. And that Stephen is an example of a life completely changed by Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. He was not afraid to stand in the face of opposition and share his love of Jesus with others. He was secure in his own salvation in Christ, and he wasn't afraid of death. He loved people with a love that is reminiscent of Christ's love. He knew that people needed to hear about Jesus more than he needed to be popular. You see, Stephen is an example for us of what our lives should look like as Christians. Lives that are fully transformed by the love that God has for us that he would send his own son. We are the most undeserving people, but he did, but what he did and the fact that God chose us to love him and be his children is such a radical difference than what the world would tell us. Even before we became Christians, you and I know that we wanted to have something to do with our own salvation. And those of you who might be here who have not made a proclamation of faith in Christ, you want to have something that, that says that you did this. You earned your salvation when Jesus said that's not the case at all. Stephen didn't earn his salvation. It was a gift of God just like ours is. 
And his life was transformed because of this. He was not always like this. He was not always doing signs and wonders. He was just like we are. He's a deacon. Now that is a high calling in the church to be a deacon for sure. But he is not an apostle. He did not spend three years with Jesus. But here he is, a life completely changed. Now the meat of this text that we're going to look at this morning tells us about what Stephen went through for his witness. How much his love was transcended upon his popularity and even his own health. And next week we're going to learn even more about him. There's a lot of special things about Stephen. He becomes the first martyr of the New Testament. And he's not an apostle. It's an amazing thing. So let's look at verses 9 through 14. And we'll just go through them verse by verse and just talk about them and, and see how we relate to Stephen and what he went through. Starting in verse 9, it says, then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, which, just so you know, that's, that's Jewish people who were slaves, and then they were freed, so it's not anything really complicated. And of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, and they rose up and they disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. Now that's a lot, isn't it? But doesn't it also sound very familiar? Doesn't this also sound like what Jesus went through? Does this not sound almost word for word for what Jesus had to go through? Let's read Matthew's account in chapter 26, 57 through 63. Matthew 26, 57 through 63. When Jesus was brought before Caiaphas. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none. Though many false witnesses came forward, and at, le at last two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. You see, the opposition to Stephen is almost exactly what happened to Jesus. 
And this is not going to be any different than any opposition that you and I might face when we bring the good news of the gospel to people. As we know right now, we're in a period of time in our United States where the church is not popular. That the, the message of Jesus, the gospel message, is not welcome in the town square. They are trying to get us to stop speaking of this Jesus of Nazareth. They don't want the good news of the gospel to come. Why? Because that means they have to be responsible to somebody else. They have to admit that we're sinners, that we're in need of a Savior, that we can't control our own destiny. And yet, why would we want to? The good news of the gospel is that you and I can't earn our salvation because we're sinners. We can't come before God and lay our works before him and say, look at what I have done. Our works are like filthy rags, Isaiah says. But God has given us an opportunity to come to him through his son, through his grace and mercy. It is a gift. And this is a gift that the world desperately needs to hear. And it is a gift that even in Stephen's time, he knew people needed to hear it. And so he brought this message of hope to people to hear the good news of the gospel. And people were responding, and the leaders in the church were angry. Now in their defense, they really were thinking that they were protecting God. But they were also trying to protect themselves. But here is Stephen. He is not afraid. He is not afraid. He will share his testimony no matter what. Jesus says that we are going to face this kind of opposition. He, Stephen knew from these words and the teachings of the apostles what he was going to face. Luke 21, 10 through 15 says this, Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Do you see this? Not just for Stephen, but for us. That the opportunity for us to come before kings, to come before people, this is our opportunity to witness. It's a gift to be able to do this. To be able to stand before kings, to be able to stand before anyone. For me to be able to stand before you. And to witness about the Lord Jesus and the good news that he brings. This is what Stephen is trying to tell these people. He wants them to hear this. This is not a problem for him. It is an opportunity. And then Jesus goes on and he says, Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate 
beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. The Holy Spirit, through Christ's witness, will give us all the strength and all the words that we need. I don't know about you, but there are times that I read stories about Stephen and I go, I don't know what I would do if I were in Stephen's place. Jesus says, don't worry about that. If and when you are in the place of Stephen or any other person who is under persecution, I will give you the words to say. Just as he gave the words to Stephen. And so he shared his testimony. And next week we're going to hear about this man who had a face of an angel, but he had the heart of a lion. And he was not afraid to share the news of God to these people to the end of his life. It's interesting to see when we read through these verses and we see that they're accusing Stephen that he was always blaspheming against God every chance he got. Now, of course, they're twisting that, but think about Stephen listening to this as he is being spoken against, and he's going, darn right. Every opportunity that I get to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people, I am going to take. Because his love transcended his own well-being. He knew these people needed Jesus. Jesus had come to change everything. And they needed to hear this message. And he was not afraid. And so yes, yes, he said, I came every opportunity I got, every opportunity I continue to get, I am going to talk about Jesus. Because Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. He is the fulfillment of everything God has promised. Why would I not want to share the good news? And we live in a world that is desperate to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, just as they were in the first century Jerusalem. And as we transition now into our last verse this morning, Acts 6.15, and we look into Stephen's face, the council who had heard all the accusations against Stephen. And now, when they look upon him and they ponder what it was that the opposition was bringing against him, and this is what they said. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Again, this, this is a, a sign of someone whose life has been totally transformed by the gospel of Christ. In Ecclesiastes 8.1 it says this, Who is like the wise, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. When we think of ourselves, we think of ourselves and we look at ourselves compared to Stephen and we think, what do people see when they look at our face? Do they see Jesus? Do they see the face of an angel? 
Now, I know that I am a person who has a really hard time hiding what's going on inside of me. I know that people come up to me and they can tell when I'm not in, you know, I'm not right, when I'm angry or I'm upset or I'm worried or something's going on. People can read me like a book. I don't have the ability to hide behind my face. But my, my, my goal in life is that when people see me, they see Jesus. Remember when Moses went up to the mountain and he came down from the mountain and his face was so shining of the glory of the Holy Spirit and God that they told him to put a veil over him to cover his face because they couldn't take it. The radiant glory of God shining off of Moses' face is similar to the radiant glow of Stephen. So the question for us is this morning is what, what does our life look like? Are we totally transformed by the gospel of Christ? Do we look to the world and the world look at us and go, there's something different about you. There's, you're not normal. You're different. There is a love about you. There is, there is a peace about you. There's a joy about you that's not normal. What is it that you have? I want that. Well, what you have is Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the living God inside of you. You have the face of an angel. You've been changed from the inside out. Ezekiel tells us this in Ezekiel 36, 26. God says, he says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put it within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you, I'm sorry, I will, yes, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, what's the difference between a heart of stone and a heart of flesh? Can a heart of stone beat can it pump blood? No, a stone is dead. It's an inanimate object. It can't do anything, except that when you kick it, it hurts. No, God takes that heart of stone, that heart of your sin, and he changes it and he puts it in a heart of flesh, a heart that beats, a heart that hurts a heart that weeps, a heart that loves, a heart that wants others to know Jesus so much that you are willing to put yourself on the line for them. As a church, I pray that for myself, starting with myself, and into our congregation, that we as a church would have a heart of flesh that beats in such a way. That we would be united in our love for others, in our love for Jesus, and that we would be completely transformed by the gospel. That our cynicism would go away. And we would love Jesus so much. That we would never forget that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Can you imagine the kind of love 
where God gives his only son, you're not going to find that in any other religion in the world because every other religion in the world is false. There is only one way to God, and that's through Jesus. We need to have the heart of Stephen. And next week when we look into the message of Stephen further, and we look at how he reacted to this accusation, we looked at the passage when Jesus went through this, he was silent. Stephen was not silent. He was not silent. But he spoke at the heart of a lion. And he spoke with the heart of Christ, full of love, with a purpose. And we'll see that next week. But this week, ask yourself, who am I? What is my heart like? What does my love look like? Who am I? God, I want to be like Stephen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, we just... We come before you, Lord, and we are so grateful, Lord, for Stephen and his witness to us, Lord. It is an amazing story, Lord. And I just pray, Father God, starting with myself, Lord, and for all of us here, that we would have the heart of Stephen, that we would have the face of an angel, Lord, that we would have a heart that beats with the love of Jesus, Lord, so much so that we are willing to share the gospel, the good news with others, Lord, because we love them that much and we know they need you that much. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be transformed, that the hardness that we may have come with this morning would be melted away and you would take that, that heart of stone, that dead heart that we walked in with, Lord, and you would replace it with the heart of flesh. And we would be changed forever by the power of the Holy Spirit who would then live in us, Lord. If there is someone here this morning who does not know what it means to have you as Lord and Savior, I pray, God, that this morning they would come and talk to me and, and I could help them see, Lord, the way to you. Father God, I thank you for this message. I thank you so much for your word. I pray, God, that we would take it and put it for use in our own lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.